From the McCourney Institute for Democracy on the campus of Penn State University, I'm Michael Berkman. And I'm Chris Beam, and this is Democracy Works. Chris, today we have a special guest. We All our guests are special. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but in this case, it's in our interest to say so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, given, uh, yeah, so today we have uh, the provost of the university, That's Nick right. Jones, mm-hmm. is here uh, to talk with us. Uh, about the uh, role of land grant universities, right, and and more broadly, just the kind of the um, the role of higher education in a democracy, and uh, um, you know we we've had some um, indications that this is a particularly uh, salient issue right now, right. Yeah. So uh, one reason we wanted to invite the provost in is that we've, uh, you know, we've been talking among ourselves by uh, recent polls, which have shown uh, r- really. I think significant declines in support for higher education among Americans and a and what you might think of as a partisan polarization mm-hmm, of support. Mm-hmm. Right. There's just a different understanding of um, of the role of higher education in, in a democratic society. Yeah. And this, of course, accompanies uh, many years now of declining financial support for many state universities uh, across the country. Including Penn State's had its uh, had its issues too, mostly stemming from the twenty uh, the two thousand and eight two thousand nine recession, and even before that. I mean, you know, and and I think you're uh, you know this goes back decades, and I think you're right to say that the decline of state support for higher education, you know, is essentially the same kind of uh, understanding of you know how much you value it, right? If you're not valuing it, you don't want to pay for it. Right. And then also, you know, and and, uh, and we've also seen measures coming out of state legislatures in various states uh, that have uh, sought to put uh, different kinds of tuition rates on people doing different kinds of majors, just all kinds of issues that have come up. Uh, that really lead us to, to think maybe it's a good time to talk about the role of public universities in a democracy. Maybe we ought to take a step back and just kind of explain what a land grant university is. So a land grant university, it was um, a, an act, the Morrill Act signed by uh, Abraham Lincoln in 1862 that um, offered um, uh, land for free to states if they would use it to uh, create universities and, and colleges that were designed to um, bring education to professions that didn't normally have them, right? It, it was the democratization of right. higher education. Mm-hmm. And the public interest at that time uh, was very much agriculture. We're starting to industrialize. Uh, and it, it seems to me like a recognition on the part of the uh, federal government at the time that, that uh, we needed to do more to, to uh, help the country move forward. The other part of that was that you wanted to make sure that all people in a democracy had some fundamental orientation, uh, fundamental education in, their ro- in, in order to perform well their roles as citizens. Democracy requires an informed citizen. Right. There's no right. national American university. So every state was going to develop this in their, in their own way. Uh, and and now every state in the union has at least one. And um, Pennsylvania, the Penn State University system is the only land grant u- uh, university. And there's 24 campuses. There's a law school, the med center. They're all out under that same uh, umbrella. And part of what makes this climate so com- so much more complicated, in addition just the rise of technology and and, and you know all that stuff, is this idea that. Um, the partisanization of American life has impacted higher education as well. Now that we, 
we as a society see higher education in these transactional terms, that you pay us money, we give you a credential that allow you to make more money. So I, d I think that is a, you know, you know, sufficient laying out of what the issues are that are on the table right now and um, why we, we thought it was worth bringing in the provost to talk about it. So let's uh, hear what he has to say. Okay, let's bring in Jenna. This is Jenna Spinelli here today with Penn State Provost Nick Jones. Nick, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Happy to be here. So um, before we dive into the topic of higher education and democracy, uh, I'm wondering if you could just take a minute and briefly explain to us uh, what your what a provost does. I think a lot of us in the McCourtney Institute and involved in this show are very entrenched in the world of higher education, but many of our listeners might not be. So can, can you tell us what, what your role is as provost? Sure. So I actually have two roles at Penn State. Um, I am the executive vice president, which means I'm the back up to President Barron, um, sort of his right hand if he is indisposed. I'm the default go-to person. Um, as provost, I am the chief academic officer for the university, so am ultimately responsible for all things um, academic, which uh, of course includes the academic welfare of almost 100,000 students, uh, faculty uh, responsibilities, the deans of the colleges uh, all all report to me. Um, and at Penn State, I'm also responsible for the institutional budget. Uh, so I get involved in a lot of institutional operations that also support the core academic mission. So really as provost, I, I have a hand in almost every aspect of uh, university uh, operation. Thinking specifically about land-grant institutions, they have been called in the past democracies colleges, so mm -hmm. places where people from all walks of life can come together to learn how to solve the world's problems. You know, we're not in, in the ivory tower, so to speak. We're not kind of elite institutions, colleges for, for the people. Um, that term was, was published in the 40s. I'm wondering, in, in your view, if that kind of still holds true today in, in 2018. Yes, oh, absolutely. I believe that is the, the case. Um, you know, there are many things that are necessary to make a democracy work. Uh, one of the important aspects that often is not talked about but, but is vital is uh, we need to have an educated citizenry. They need to be able... Uh, to understand issues, to think about issues, to engage around topics um, in, in an informed uh, way and to be able to think deeply ab about many of these areas uh, as a land-grant university and more specifically as Pennsylvania's land-grant university. Part of our mission of service to the citizens of the Commonwealth is to ensure that we're doing everything we can do uh, to ensure that they do represent that educated citizenry. Now, of course, um, even with 24 campus locations across the Commonwealth, we can't reach every person in, in every corner, although some would argue that through our world campus we can. Um, but, uh, but we don't touch everybody in the Commonwealth, but we touch a large number of people both directly as students and indirectly through our uh, extension and many other outreach operations. I know that the university has its own health system. We operate 
uh, daycare centers, concert venues, all, all types of things that are not directly related to education. So how do those those aspects fit into to that land-grant mission and then kind of into that, that broader democratic mission? Yeah, so I would put those, uh, the things that you described into several buckets. Um, so uh, a health system, for example, um, we have a pretty profound service mission to the to the Commonwealth. Um, perhaps uh, in 1865, uh, health wasn't one of the things that was specifically identified. But um, in 2018, contributing to the health and well-being of as many people as we're able to touch, we do consider to be an important part of our mission as an institution. Uh, when it comes to things like, yes, con- concert venues, a core part of our land-grant mission was to provide the, a liberal arts context, um, and we effect that through a number number of means, but one way is exposing uh, the citizens of the Commonwealth to uh, the arts, the visual arts, the performing arts, and so one can argue that that facilitating uh, concert events, making them available to people across the, across the Commonwealth or certainly in, in the catchment of a particular campus is an important contribution uh, to, to that mission. And, and what does that kind of back and forth look like as, as the university is considering taking on a new initiative, a new program, a new service? How do you kind of Consider, you know, where um, how it how it fits in that mission versus, say, the the financial return that 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 might come from taking on something new. Yeah. So first and foremost, I think it is really important that we stay f- laser focused on our mission as a university. And you know, if I had my druthers every morning when I would get up, the first thing I would do is just read, reread the mission statement of the university to make sure that when I come to work, I am. Uh, adhering uh, to to that mission. Truly, that is the lens through which I make a lot of lot of decisions. Is is this central to the mission of the university? That that mission of the land grant university, which is incredibly powerful, still 160 years after it it we were we were founded, and that is a mission of research in the public good, a mission of teaching the citizens of the Commonwealth and in 2018 beyond, uh, and a mission of service. So that is the core lens through, through which I think we view um, all of our actions and, and responsibilities. Uh, obviously, if everything were black and white, it would be easy. There are some th- things that are probably a little more in the gray, but I would say that we always try to come around and look at those and say, when when you blow away all of the chaff, it, it, is this important to our mission as Pennsylvania's land-grant university? If the answer is yes, we do it. Okay. If the answer is no, we don't. And the the other kind of piece to this puzzle is that um, funding from from the state has for not just not just for Penn State but for for other you know state university systems has been flat or, or, or maybe even declined in some cases so how does that change change the calculus 
Yes. Yeah, so over time, um, most public institutions in in the land uh, have seen a reduction in state support. And what that has meant is that a uh, larger share of the cost of tuition is borne by uh, students and their families. I think back when this first started to happen, uh, it was okay because tuition was pretty cheap and there la- still a large portion of the uh, costs were covered uh, by basically direct appropriations from, in our, ca- in our case, the Commonwealth. But as over time, as that's continued to evolve and the, and the support has declined, it's still substantial support that we do get from the Commonwealth, and we're very grateful for that. Um, and and the burden on students and their families has crept up. I think we've we really have become much more mindful uh, about the financial impact, and we we spend uh, a good amount of time thinking about. How do we ensure that a Penn State education remains accessible to people all across the Commonwealth from all different walks of life uh, and affordable? And by affordable, we mean that we pay attention to things like what is the median student debt of our of our graduates? That's an important number for us. Um, back decades ago, this wasn't something that nobody ever had to talk about because the numbers were just small, but we realize the impact and it's something that, that we we really focus on now more than ever before, I think. Yeah. Do, do you get the sense that from, from the student's perspective, things have changed in, in terms of seeing a degree as, as more of a credential, perhaps, you know, something, a path on uh, on the the way toward a job as, as opposed to maybe something that is a little bit more in service of, of the public good? I think we pay attention. I'm, I'm a little biased because I'm an engineer, and so you know, when I graduated with my engineering degree, it it, it had not only uh, not only had I experienced a a well-rounded education, I was also prepared to design things. Um, but I think across all of our programs, uh, we are mindful of the fact that one, we are preparing students or graduates for life. Uh, and we're also preparing them for a career. So I think we are thoughtful about ensuring that our education uh, or the education we offer our, our students during their time with us prepares them for both in, in a balanced way. Uh, and that means, you know, in some, in some majors, um, we encourage our students to take additional courses so that when they graduate, they can channel the things they have learned in perhaps a less, um, shall we say, vocationally oriented discipline, they can channel that learning uh, through the vehicles, the other vehicles that they have been exposed to, uh, to a a career. And so I think we do think about that a, a lot. And we want our graduates to be successful across the spectrum of their lives, both in their personal lives as, as individuals and citizens um, and in their professional lives as well. The other thing that we, we tend to, to hear a lot about in kind of the, the circles that we travel in as, as a democracy institute is, is a trend toward anti-intellectualism, uh, people kind of devaluing a, a college education or maybe encouraging people to, to go a different way or, you know, thinking about it's a a traditional liberal education is maybe being conflated with a, a politically liberal education, mm-hmm. those those types of things. Um, are, are you 
what's your your sense of that? Are, are you hearing those things from kind of your um, your position? And and if so, how how does Penn State kind of handle those conversations? Yes. Well, we we of course we we hear that a lot. Um, sometimes we hear it. Some pe- times people tell us that. Um, so um, my, my reaction would be we 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 are really committed to educating our students for their lives ahead. A large number of our students are traditionally aged 18 to 22 year olds. Increasingly, many of our students are older. Um, They're either going to college later because they had other things to to do early in life or they served in the military or whatever reason, they just didn't come in at that sort of traditional uh, age. And so we, we serve many adult learners as well. But we're always focused on uh, preparing those students when they graduate for the for the lives that are uh, ahead of them, um, really across the board. We fundamentally believe that educating people so that they can think, be analytical, uh, and and thoughtful when confronted with uh, the types of situations that life brings either personally or or professionally is really important so we fundamentally believe in in the value of an educated citizenry um, obviously for democracy in the context of this this conversation but 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 just in in general the ability for people to have critical thinking skills and 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 be able to analyze and and, and process all of the complexity that the world throws at, at us we think it's just vitally important. Do you worry that um, higher education is going to get or maybe already has gotten caught up in some of the, the partisanship and polarization that has crept into other facets of life? Yes, I worry about it a lot. I would think it's fair to say we worry about it a lot. Uh, my colleagues at Penn State, my fellow provosts at other institutions, we all worry about that. Um, However, uh, wringing our hands uh, doesn't really achieve anything. Um, I think it's a case where we we need to uh, take responsibility for what is happening. Why is that happening? And how is it that we can be cast um, in in perhaps uh, not as favorable a light as we, we used to be? And probably the piece that we need to own is we haven't done as good a job uh, as we should have in making the case to the public that higher education does offer value to society and it is really important and we make meaningful, uh, uh, even profound uh, contributions to the betterment of, of everyone. Um, I don't think we often do that as well as we should. I don't think it's um, often as front of mind as it might be and we don't communicate as effectively as we should to, for example, the citizens of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Obviously, our students feel very positively about how they've been impacted, but there are many people who are not uh, graduates of Penn State. We need to make sure that we are reaching them as well. And um, probably one of the best examples I can give where I think we have been successful is in agriculture. And I saw this uh, firsthand a couple of years ago when there were hearings in Harrisburg uh, that were about the appropriation for Penn State and the other state-related un- universities. And they, in that particular, it was a difficult budget year and there was some consideration being given to 
what, if any, appropriation the institution would get. And so I went down, testified, president did, others. Um, but some of the most uh, powerful advocates for Penn State uh, were our colleagues from the agricultural community. Why? Because for 160 years, Penn State has really focused on making sure that we are providing excellent service to the agricultural community in the Commonwealth, and we are helping them do their jobs and, um, and support their in industry better. And in fact, in some areas, I think um, Pennsylvania is a national, one, a national leader or one of the national leaders uh, because of that support that they have been provided by Penn State agriculture through our extension program. This is an amazing success story, and I think that community really understands, and we have over time made, placed a premium on getting information that people in that sector need in order to do their jobs better, uh, and making sure that we are communicating well about what we do. When we do that, people get it. I think we can do that in other areas as well, and perhaps haven't been as effective as we might have been. Yeah, like like what? What are what are some other areas that are you know, kind of on your list to to go to, or you know, places or, or people you feel aren't aren't hearing that message? Well, I think if you if you look uh, obviously in places like engineering, it's a little bit easier to make the the, the case because engineering generally produces um, uh, uh, products or outcomes that that are uh, tangible. But in some areas like science. Um, here at Penn State, we have some amazing faculty in in fabulous science departments, uh, and people all around the world know how great the work is that they are doing. But I worry that if we go ten miles from University Park, there are probably people who don't necessarily know the types of discoveries that are being made, and why, more importantly, why those discoveries ultimately are important to them, um, and. It's not always e these are these can be complex uh, issues, and it's not always easy to explain. But it's our responsibility to make it's our responsibility, not theirs, to ensure that those explanations are provided. I'm just going to close with our four uh, mood of the nation poll questions. Thinking um, specifically about American politics, what makes you angry? I think the um, the. The divisiveness that that I see across the country, um, you know, this is a great country founded on uh, great principles, uh, and and really has been successful because of a pursuit of a common good, and and it it it's very frustrating to to feel the degree of divisiveness that that uh, exists, um, and I hope we can find ways to move past that. Right. We, we might come back to that here in a, in a, in a, a question or two. Uh, what makes you proud? Um, the accomplishments of the United States are pretty uh, amazing. Um, you know, there's lots of examples I, I could give, but um, in a, on a recent trip, uh, I was stuck in uh, Houston for a day. So rather than waste the day, I got a rental car and my wife and I went to the Johnson Space Center um, and we only had a couple of hours there, but we, we made the best of it. Um, and I think because we only had a couple of hours, we had to walk quickly. So we walked through the display that sort of chronicles the space program from its genesis uh, to, to present, present day. And as you walk through that, 
um, and as we did quickly, uh, it's pretty extraordinary what this country can achieve when when everybody focuses on a single vision and sets their minds uh, to it. Um, that makes me proud. Okay. Uh, what makes you worry? Uh, I do worry uh, that because of the degree of divisiveness uh, we, we see uh, that uh, our democracy is strained. I'm a big believer in democracy um, and, and all people contributing uh, to the advancement of democratic uh, principles. You know, I was bo born and raised. My home country is New Zealand. It was the first country to give women the vote. So I grew up in a place that really embraces uh, ensuring that everybody has, has uh, access and ability to in influence governance. Um, I, one feels the, 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 the stress and the strain uh, to which we're subjected now in, in this unusually divisive era. And, and I, 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 I worry. And then finally, what gives you hope? Oh, the uh, the 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 resilience of of people, and you know, at the end of the day, nobody said that this was going to be easy, right? Um, this this is in order to form a more perfect union. So, no, nobody said it was a linear path. Nobody said it was a path where we wouldn't have uh, sort of step off from time to time, or or have setbacks that would uh, would, would would get in the way. Um, but we we need to be uh, focused on the future, and I, I I ultimately believe in in the 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 vision and the um, the power of people uh, to go to where they need to go. Great, um, uh, perfect words to end on. So we'll leave it there. Uh, Provost Jones, thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome. Thanks. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Jenna, and uh, thank you to the uh, provost. Those were, I thought, really thoughtful and uh, interesting answers. I mean, there were a lot of different things that he talked about that touch back on ours. And, you know, I, uh, he, he certainly emphasizes that, uh, you know, they keep a laser focus on the mission of the university and that the mission of the university remains that of a land grant of a land grant college and right. that uh, the, the, the country has gotten much more complex mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and therefore what the university does is, right. is a lot more complex than it was, but it's still serving in the public interest. It's still trying to create good democratic citizens. And, and it is doing that in a climate where um, it's far more difficult to make the books balance. Right? right. So the commitment from the public commitment is significantly different now than it was in the past. Right. And, and so that has made the job of a provost tougher mm -hmm. uh, because you need to find the revenues from somewhere. Right. And the more that actually universities get wrapped up in partisan battles, I think the more difficult it will be to extract revenues out of the state legislatures. And, and, and I, I, I'll say a little bit more about that, that, uh, you know, when a, when a state legislature is confronted with a challenging economic environment, higher education is one of the easier things to cut right. by, the, by what's coming from the, coming from the state coming from the state legislature. Uh, but of course, you know, having students from out of state, having international students benefits the entire university. I mean, they, they, it's a tension that they have to do. They have to balance it. You have to make sure that you're still serving the students of, uh, students of uh, Pennsylvania. Which is your mission. Which is your mission. But bringing in, bringing in 
you know, strong students from elsewhere, brings new perspectives in, offers uh, a more diverse campus. It, it has benefits in itself. That, that's, that's all true. But I also think there's a um – Oh, well, he, he said this. There's a danger here, right? That you that, you know, because of these constraints on on the bottom line, it is very difficult for anybody in a leadership position in any kind of university, land grant or otherwise, to ignore the impact of any decision on the bottom line. Right. And so you can say, you know, at what point does the number of out of state students undermine the mission of the university, and and at what point does um, creating a center that is more likely to generate revenue than one that isn't? I mean, you know, all these the the burden of just making the books balance, you know, is just ever present, and it is it, it is a it is a very difficult thing for any university representative to to balance that reality with this. Uh, mission that goes back 150 yes, years. Yes, of course, we're a much more interconnected world than we used to be. So it seems would seem kind of odd to me to have an institution of higher education that didn't have people from all over sure. the place. Uh, and, uh, you know, as we talked about throughout the discussion today, the mission of a land-grant university is multifold. Mm-hmm. And so... So one is, yes, to create these good democratic citizens, and it seems that, that we should be – the focus needs to be on the residents of Pennsylvania there. But it's, but it's also to address problems in the public interest, mm-hmm. to address the public interest. Uh, and for that, people from all over – can help. Right. And, and, and benefit. And right? benefit. I mean, yeah. ch- child maltreatment is not limited to the Commonwealth of Pen- Pennsylvania, nor is the opioid crisis. Right. So whatever comes out right. of Pennsylvania. Another area where, Pens- right, right. Pen- where Penn State is really trying to focus. Right. These and days. so if, you know, anything that, that comes out of Pennsylvania is going to benefit outside of the, uh, the borders of the state as well. And that's true for, and, for any major university. And, you know, a large university like uh, Penn State and, and others across the country can bring so many different perspectives onto something like the opioid crisis. Crisis. Sure. But we were also talking to him as somebody who understands uh, land-grant institutions more broadly. And, and higher education in America yeah. more broadly. The only thing I would want to say is um, I was really encouraged and, and um, made me proud to hear him talk about how um, the university – any university has a responsibility to develop skills of citizenship, critical thinking, analytical skills, learning how to um, to um, assess an argument. Um, the idea that a uh, uh, that this is something that um, a, a democratic society can do without or take it or leave it just strikes me as just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and the fact that we are that we Penn State and other universities are um, uh, see, continue to see that as an essential part of their mission, I think, is good for America. Yes, I, I agree with that. I, I, I do have I have concern with where we started uh, about how uh, support for American universities is starting to polarize mm-hmm. along partisan lines. Right. And, and, and I heard in, in the provost's answers that he's got some concerns about that sure. how can as you not? well and where that, where that goes. Right. And so it's not... Um, it's not to say that that um, this, these these issues are obvious, but 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 the essential dimension of higher education in terms of sustaining a democracy, I think that's something that that both you and I would just um, you know 
to see as... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Indisputable. Yeah. And yeah. it pays the bills. <laughs> Keeps us <laughs> off the streets. <laughs> From the uh, McCourtney Institute for Democracy, this has been Democracy Works. I'm Michael Berkman. And I'm Chris Beam. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks for listening.